Hello and welcome to 201X Best Games of the Decade, where we talk about the best games that came out in the past 10 years, year by year. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. What's up? And also here with Mikey, known as Keylock. Yo, how's everybody doing? And like I mentioned, for each year of this decade, we will drill down the top 10 games of that year. This episode, we are covering the best games of 2012. And I'd like to welcome back anybody who listened to our previous two episodes. You're either here because you like it and you agree, or you're hate listening. Either way, thanks for being here. And if you have something to say about our picks from before, feel free to connect with us on Twitter at The Mash Network on Twitter or on Discord, which is discord.me slash smash those buttons. Now, before we get into this year's list, the list for 2012, I do want to explain a little system we have in place for all the new people, the lock-ins, okay? So every list, every review you read, it's all subjective. There's no such thing as an objective list or an objective review, okay? So I'm just putting this out on the table before we start so people aren't surprised. (laughs) You're just, no, the real reason is because you don't want to be accountable for some of these picks. That's the real reason. (laughs) (laughs) This is also true. (laughs) But still... (laughs) The way the lock-in system works here is each host had an opportunity to pick a game from each year or from this year and lock it into the top 10. Now, that doesn't guarantee them a specific spot in the top 10, but at least it gets on the list, and those picks will be announced as they come up. And without further ado, let's get into our top 10. Best Games of 2012, number 10, Journey. Journey is an indie adventure game that features an unidentified robed figure traveling through diverse terrain to reach their final destination. Journey delivers a strong, emotional experience with its unique online and storyline-driven gameplay. Although brief enough to be completed in a couple of hours, the experience is worth the journey. Okay, coming in at number 10, Journey. And if you you are a, uh, (laughs) a supporter to your patron, You have probably already heard my rant about this game, so I'm just going to let Mike take it since this is his lock-in pick, and he is the reason this game is on this list. Take it away, Mike. It is my lock-in pick, and Jaws the reason why it's so far down at number 10. Um, (laughs) Normally, this game would be a lot higher, but anyways. (laughs) uh, This game is a very good uh storytelling game in a sense of you know the traditional of what we now know them as like a lot of people call them like walking sims a little bit but like this game actually has uh some puzzles to it it has a good uh it has a very intriguing communication system you have with other players that play this game at the same time as you you can't actually talk to anybody and you don't know who you're grouped up with at all when you're playing this game throughout it's if you haven't played Journey yet, go in as blind as you can. Just just try just try it out and experience what the journey has for you. That is some cup half, you know, half full shit if I've ever heard it. Like that that, that is totally what it is, you know. But hey. It's it can it's emotional to a lot of people. Like that game hit people real hard. Yeah, and you know what? I I mean I don't know. Like I, I don't credit the game for that. I credit the people for that. I credit their imaginations for that. I guess like I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just can't do it. Like, 
you know, you called, you know, you said Journey had puzzles. I'm like, what puzzles? I walked through that entire game. To progress through to other rooms and to other areas, you had to figure out how to unlock things and go and find them. I don't remember that. I remember jumping from place to place and going up stuff, going down stuff, going to the top of a mountain. Also, (laughs) there was just if you wanted to collect all the ribbons, like if you wanted to get your ribbons at max length, there were you had to go out and find different things also to get that badass white robe you had to find all the all the cloth okay i got you well i thought it was fun (laughs) 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 i didn't play it when uh it came out so i didn't see people but i did see like floating scarves i think i i don't know so I, I guess me. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Oh no! I just say it was pretty. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, I got to be honest. Like one of the one of the best looking scenes I've seen in the game is at the end of Journey. I will say that it is it is at the end, one did of the final like, sequences. Did you not like the the sand sliding and how the sun was like hitting off the sand as you were sliding through that it looked, castle it looked, area? It looked cool. But like it wasn't like mind blowing to me. Like it looked cool. Okay. That's you know the the most notable thing is like at the is the end where like you know I like I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's gonna because it is you can get it on iOS you can get it on the Epic Store now. So if you've never played it before and you actually want to, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But you know I I, I wasn't interested in the game, and the only reason I got it is because I like, no you don't understand you got to play it you got to play it and like you'll understand it. And when I got done, I was like. Somebody is going to pay me back these two hours. Somebody <laughs> is going to get me these two <laughs> hours back because no. But yeah, I, I mean, I'll take full responsibility. I went full like Mitch McConnell and just drove this thing into the ground. Wow. <laughs> I don't what, think I've ever heard. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I had the channel. I had to make it my spirit animal for a couple for a, for a few minutes. Please never refer to Mitch McConnell as a spirit, <laughs> a spirit animal, animal ever again. <laughs> uh, do you prefer John Boehner? I don't know. Like Honestly, <laughs> I don't know at this point anymore. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you, Mike, that you got it on the list. You felt that yeah. strongly about it. Yeah, thank God for the lock-in system or else you would have kicked it completely off. You could say it was his key lock. Oh, my God. God and the podcast. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> Going home. Yeah, we're gonna just go ahead and move on to our next top uh, uh I was gonna say topic, sorry, on to our next game. Best games of 2012, number nine, Forza Horizon. It's hard to find something negative to say about Forza Horizon. Playground Games took the beauty, feel, and sound of Forza Motorsport and packaged it in an open world to give us the Skyrim of racing games. The festival setting provides a fun, relaxed atmosphere with tons of activities that made getting from race to race a fun experience. In a time when the racing genre was getting a bit stiff, Forza Horizon was what we needed to make racing fun again. Alright, coming in at number 9, Forza Horizon. Which, wait, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mike just rolled his eyes. Like, this is the game you roll your eyes at, Mike? It's Forza. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all right. It is not. No, it's not. It's more that it's actually, the, in my opinion, this game is one of the games that helped save arcade style racing, right? Because for a while, the only reason, because, okay, 
you could say Need for Speed was still going on, but Need for Speed was ruining arcade racing, right? You know, like it would be epic, not epic, sorry. EA was not putting out good Need for Speed games. And the only good racing games you would get were pretty much close to simulation racing games, right? Um, even uh, Codemasters with Dirt moved to more towards simulation, which broke my heart because I loved Dirt, like when it was like, you know, more arcadey. Um, Grid, they went from, they did release another Grid game. I can't remember if it was this year. I can't remember when they did. Like, I think they released Grid 2, I think around 2011, 2012. Something like that. And that was a good, you know, that was a decent street racer, right? And other than that, you know, you just had Forza. You have Forza and Gran Turismo because those were the money makers, you know. And then you they made, I think, play, I'm pretty sure Playground and Grant Games was put together specifically to make a game like this, right? Like they put together some of the best talent from racing games in general, Bizarre, Criterion, Codemasters. They got talent from all those studios and Microsoft made Playground Games. And they put together Forza, which is like almost a perfect balance between like your, I don't want to call it an arcade racer. Cause when I think arcade racer, I think of like cruising USA, you know what I'm saying? Some outlandish shit like that. But technically speaking, you know, if it's not simulation, you know, I guess you could call it a street racer, maybe a street racer or a, I just consider it an arcade racer cause it's a bit more unrealistic. You know, you can get away with stuff that you wouldn't normally get in a simulation, but you know, if it wasn't for Forza, I think that that subgenre of racing would probably be dead because I mean, other games tried to do it and it's just not like, I mean, project cars, you know, was okay. Um, what else? There's two of them. Is it a game just called cars or is it project cars that has a one and two? There's another game that has a one and two and that's how impactful it was. I can't remember its fucking name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But no, here we are. Here we are with Forza, who they took all the great stuff that was in Forza, you know, Forza Horizon, took all the stuff that was great about Forza, like how good the cars looked, how they sound, how the controls were of the cars. And they just kind of tweaked it a bit so it's a bit more forgiving and, uh, you know, more fun to play, right? I mean, it's, it wasn't as arcade as Need for Speed, but wasn't as sim as Forza. Uh, it had a, it was like, it was like a, Oh, it was an open world racing game with a bunch of little activities and quests. And sometimes you would just like the countryside was beautiful. So you just like ride around, you know, ride around and listening to music and stuff like that. Like that was pretty dope. It was like racing car Skyrim, except we liked it. <laughs> except we liked it. I actually yeah. don't play racing games and I played Forza Horizon because this was kind of my experimental year where I was like, oh, just try a little bit of everything. And I played this game for like 10 hours straight and I didn't even do the races. I just did like the like whatever quest they had and just exploring the countryside, running into signs to get discounts to make my car look cooler. But for someone that doesn't play car games, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Awesome. And yeah, and especially if you don't if you don't play car uh, car games cuz like, you know, regularly arcade or uh, or even simulation races, regularly racing games have the same aesthetic the entire game. But with Forza, depending on where you are on the map, it looks different. Like you could be in the countryside over here, or you could be in the forest area over here, or maybe in a desert-like area over here, you know, and it changes the way the game looks, but it always feels like like a big celebration in that game, right? Like you're celebrating 
I don't know what the fuck. It's just the, 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 the Horizon, you know, festival. You know, it's a festival with music and cars. Everything's colorful. Everybody's happy. There's no, like, rivals or anything like that. You know, everybody's kind of helpful. It's just a it's just a pretty cool experience. Well, like, one of the best things about that game is, like, if you're riding at night and you're driving toward, like, the festival, and as you're driving toward the festival, you see the lights in the sky and the fireworks and stuff like that, and it it just gets bigger and closer as you get to it. It's presented very, very well. Like it's it was almost like a Disney esque experience. Like how have how many of you have you guys been to Disney World before? Yes. Long time a long ago. time ago. All right. So one of the things about Disney World, and it's not necessarily really noticeable unless you kind of are looking for it, but as you're walking into the Magic Kingdom, like that like it's the walkway is curved in a certain way so that you actually can't see the castle at a certain point or you can't see a lot of it. And as you're walking towards it, the castle like kind of presents itself. That is something they did on purpose. And that's kind of the same feeling I got when I uh, played this game. So, I mean, and it had a ton, like it was a really, really big game. And usually with really big games, especially really big racing games, you get concessions, right? Like if it's a great technical racer, the graphics probably suck. The sound probably sucks. It's not that great. You know, or if it sounds really good or it looks really good, the game like that's like a need for speed, right? Sounds good, looks good, not a great racing game. But in this game, everything they were firing all cylinders, great graphics, great sound design, excellent customization, lots of activities, technically robust, solid frame rate. Like the game played at sixty frame. Oh, was it sixty frames? No, I'm sorry, it was like maybe a solid thirty frames. It was solid thirty frames, but it didn't drop. That was the important thing. You know, solid 30 frames. So it was just really, really good. I I enjoyed it a lot. Even non-racing game fans did. And it was just, I think it saved a genre. And it was really good. So that's number nine. All right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to number eight. Best games of 2012. Number eight. Mark of the Ninja. Mark of the Ninja belongs in the same echelon of great stealth games as Metal Gear Solid and Splinter Cell. Given an array of tools, players will need to use their wits, darkness, and misdirection as a means to either take out their enemies or bypass them completely. Mark of the Ninja focuses so heavily on stealth that combat is not a viable backup plan and turns every room into a puzzle to figure out. Remember, ninjas do not get caught. Okay, coming at number eight, Mark of the Ninja. I This might have been my lock and pick. I think it was. I do believe this was my lock and pick. I, 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 I was a little worried that I might not make the list, but mm. in my, I think this, was, this, was, this game was, is one of the best stealth games I've ever played, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I, it's... I, I've dabbled sure. with it. I haven't played a lot of it, but like it was a really, I'm not a stealth person and I appreciated the stealth in this game. Yeah. Like it's not like, it's even more stealth than Metal Gear, right? Like <laughs> where in Metal Gear, if shit hits the fan, you can shoot your way out of it as long as you have the, the right weapons. Um, you can shoot your way out of it, get into the box, <laughs> you know, wait for the area to cool down. With Mark of the Ninja, I think it's just way more, it's you're, it's way more punishing if you actually don't execute properly because the way the game works is one obviously you're not supposed to be seen but even when you do an execution because you can't just go up to somebody and like hit the button to slice them 
uh, you actually have to do like a, a, a button command, like hit hit X and press forward or something like that. It's not complicated, but you got to do it and it has to be timed well. And that's how you get your executions. If you mess those up, you know, you can go from a, like a slick execution to somebody like like screaming while they're dying and that alerts everybody else <laughs> in the area. <laughs> so it's just, a, I mean, I, I really appreciate it. It was a surprise for me when I first, the first time I played it was at PAX East. Yeah, I think it was 2012. PAX East 2012. And, you know, they the, we had the clay booth had stuff there. But then we also got a note that, hey, uh, you, you, we have a surprise. So if you want to go to this area, which is a private area of the facility, you can see something else. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll go see it. And it was Mark of the Ninja. And, you know, it was that. I was like, this is so fucking cool. This is really, really nice. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, the game had very little focus on combat. It was just primarily focused on stealth and execution. And like I said, if you did not execute properly, you, cause not, you know, you, you're not, couldn't just like kill somebody real quick and then you know get away with it you actually have to plan the execution out to a degree i mean obviously you got faster over time so i was cool they the visuals were on point if you ever played shank um you know that that is the same style visuals all hand drawn it looked like but i think the ui was the most important thing right like you know it was very easy to tell when how much noise you were making who could hear your noise where like the enemy's vision was you know stuff like that they did a, a great job. Like all of the information that you could possibly need was presented to you on screen without being intrusive. And that's just, that's just a well, that's just a well put together uh, UI. So, and um, you know, you, you don't have to kill everybody either, right? You can be passive. Like you can just sneak through areas. Like it's not like dishonored where you could just not kill anybody and get to the end of the game. You definitely have to kill somebody but at the you can kind of stealth through areas and like you're not judged on how many kills you get usually judged on not getting caught so that's good and i mean you just have a ton like you know you get tools that will help you achieve your objectives like smoke bombs grapples uh noise making devices and they show you how to use it but it's really up to you on how you use these devices to get to where you need to go um the level design was great you know, every room, it wasn't like a combat area, you know what I'm saying? Like every room was uh, a puzzle kind of to be solved. So whether you were going to try to sneak through or whether you were going to try to systematically kill everybody and hide them, you know, or and get through the room, you know, it was kind of like a puzzle. Like, you know, do it in this order, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know. I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, Christina does not like stealth games. I don't They're like in the same stealth genre. games. Nope. They're in the same genre as horror to you, right? Yeah. And you know what? I like stealth better than horror, but it does make me a little nervous to be stealthy. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Well, like I said, it is one of the best stealth games I've ever played. So I had to make the list, and that's why I was my lock-in. All right, let's move on to our next pick. Best games of 2012, number seven, Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping dogs take you right into the heart of Hong Kong as you play an undercover cop, Wei Shen, to infiltrate the Sun On Yi Triad organization. Sleeping dogs feels unique among GTA-style games, with its well-developed melee combat combined with its Hong Kong action movie-style gunplay. It may have taken seven years for it to be released, but the wait was worth it. All right, coming at number seven, a lock-in from Christina, Sleeping Dogs. 
Yeah, so, I really enjoyed this game, but this is your lock-in, so I'm going to let you take it. But I enjoyed this game, too. We're going to have a good time. Go ahead. So, actually, the funny thing about this game was it wasn't my original lock-in. I think I locked something else in, and I was like, there's no way Sleeping Dogs wouldn't make the list. And then it didn't make the, the list, and I was like, yeah, no, I can't have that happen. So, I traded it. It was rough this year to pick this list, by the way. <laughs> this was a pretty yeah. good year. Yeah, yeah, this is also what showed me that the, the lock-in system was a bit more disruptive than I initially intended it to be. <laughs> Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> and sleeping dogs wasn't the problems. Yeah, sleeping dogs was... <laughs> so the the thing that I loved about sleeping dogs is I really like... Uh, not Grand Theft Auto, sorry, Saints Row. And picking this up and playing it, it's just like that style of gameplay really like sat well with me. Um, the game... Play, like the fighting was really smooth. I'm pretty sure they pulled it from the Arkham series, like how they wanted the fighting to be. There's a lot of mini games in it, which I am a huge sucker for. Um, a lot of the mini games were like through dating, but I think one of the people that you could date, the voice actress, was Emma Stone. So that was another big reason why I wanted to play it. Like the really, yeah, I think the first, really? yeah, the white, there's only one white girl in that game. So I don't uh, know, I could be wrong, but <laughs> Google it. <laughs> Oh, well, I know that the the voice actress, the one that does um that that you learn karaoke from, or that you get introduced to karaoke with, and also you beat up her her other boyfriend later. Um, she is from Lost. What is her name? Lucy Liu was in freaking no. <laughs> was it Emma Stone? Did you find it? It is Emma Stone, but it also has Lucy Liu. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As a. What the heck, man? Yeah, yeah Yun, Yunjin Kim. I, I'm probably butchering her name right there. Yunjin Kim. Like, that's she was the actress from Lost. And she was the, the set. I'm pretty sure I was the second girlfriend. But you're right. The girlfriends were basically, they just introduced you to many games. Yeah. <laughs> but they were fun. Um, I. I really like this game. Unfortunately, I can't remember too much about it. Like I watched some videos and was like, oh, yeah, that was dramatic and that was cool. And the graphics don't hold up too well. However, it's always one of my first recommendations because they came out on the they came out on the PS4. So it's definitely a game that I want to pick up and play again. But I just haven't. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have the the I, I forget, like the ultimate edition on PC, I think. Like the ultimate, so I, I, and that's after I beat the game on console. Like I, t I literally picked this. I picked this game up on a Friday because I'm like, eh, I don't really have much to do. Well, right? What's funny yeah. is, was wasn't this game? Well, yeah, this definitely was a sleeper hit. But wasn't this game also supposed to be like, uh, true crime streets of Hong Kong or something it was, like it that? Was supposed initially? to be true. It was supposed to be true crime Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. such a weird turnaround with this game. It was it was in development for like seven years. Like usually that those don't turn out too well. Also, I just remembered they're working on like an online version of the like not of this game, but in the world of Sleeping Dogs. They they're still working on that. Uh, maybe. I mean, it took seven years for Sleeping Dogs. <laughs> what do you think it would take? For but it, 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 it wasn't seven good years. It was like seven years of like turmoil. Like like for example, Bioshock Infinite took seven years to develop. That was like seven years of actual work of like, you know, working on this title to make it what it was. This seven years, it was like, I think it moved from studio to studio and publisher to publisher. And, you know, that's how they ended up getting the name changed and all that stuff. 
So, yeah, it was, like I said, I, I bought this game on a Friday night. I was like, I don't have much to do this weekend. So I'm just going to like, what's out? Uh, sleeping Dogs? Uh, I'll check it out, right? Dude, I played through the entire game over the weekend. I, I put 30 hours into Sleeping Dogs over that weekend and beat the game. And then I was sad when it was over. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, this is amazing. But for one weekend, one weekend, I was wasting. So. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a random pickup. Like I saw it, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna try it because I like Saints Row. Yeah, like it, it was cool. And I like the vo- like Way's voice actor. He's on uh, the Good Doctor now. I, I like that guy, Will Young Lee. I'm probably butchering that as well. I'm gonna try to stop trying to say these names. <laughs> but um, apparently, the voice cast was amazing for this game. <laughs> yeah, like if you, I'm, I actually have it up right now. And there's a just a ton of people who were actually really, really good voice actors for this game. So that was actually pretty cool. But yeah, the the system, the combat system was kind of like Arkham. Um, but I think the enemies were actually better marked, not better marked, easily. It was more easy, easy to identify what enemies did what, right? Because each enemy had like a little hologram around like the their the floor wherever they stood. And uh, that that would tell you what type of attacks they would do versus Arkham. You just kind of had to look at the type of enemy and determine what to do. So, but this game also had something that you won't have in a Batman game, which is gunplay, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, yeah, it actually had good gunplay. Like, it had, it had a really good balance between the gunplay and the, um, the, 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 the combat. I think like w- what they were really trying to accomplish with the combat system in total was make it seem like like a Hong Kong like action flick. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, yeah. Like you, you, I think that was that was kind of the the thing. Like you can you can hop over a table while shooting in slow motion, and you know you can go from you can run up to somebody, disarm them, shoot them, and then go directly into the gunplay and stuff like that. So. Sleeping Dogs definitely deserved a spot on this list. It, I it's still playable too. Like especially if you get the one on PC, like you know it aged pretty well in my opinion. I did like some of the the mini games were kind of ridiculous. Like when you would be on top of your car and jump to another car, <laughs> or be open your door. Like you know you just be you know you're driving and you open your door and you hang out the side of the car and you jump to the roof of another car, take somebody out of it and get into it. Yeah. But it was fun. It was all all fun. So, If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, with that, let's go ahead and move on to our next game. Best games of 2012, number six, Spec Ops The Line. 
while Spec Ops The Line provides a solid cover-based military shooter with quality-level design and an aggressive AI, it will be remembered mostly for its narrative. Spec Ops The Line's story is a dark one, where your actions have unintended consequences and may leave you questioning your own morality, if not your sanity. So coming at number six, Spec Ops The Line, another sleeper, I think. Another sleeper for that year. Um, this was a game that a lot of people didn't play until they were told that they had to play it. You know, well, yeah, uh, because the trailer, the only trailer they saw was at the Game Awards that year, and it was not that trailer. I feel like doesn't represent that game very well. That and I, I think that's a the it didn't. You're 100 correct. I think part of the problem is that they did not want to give away the story at all, which thankfully they did not. Like that was very important. So it's like with a story like that, which will not be spoiled, I will never spoil that story for anybody. Is this uh, one of those like this is one of the, so is this like a portal two for you? Like it is for like how you, I just don't want to ruin portal for anybody. Like this is like one right. of those for you. This is definitely like one of those for me because you know, like if you tell anything anybody anything about the story, you're kind of gonna ruin it. Like you have to experience it as it's happening. You have to get to that end of that game, and then the reality just hits you like a Mack truck. You know what I'm saying? Because you're thinking one thing the entire game as you're playing through it, as you're fighting through it. No matter what happens, you're probably still thinking the same thing, which I, like I said, I ain't spoiling it, you know? And then when you finally reach the end of the game, the truth comes out. They only have to spell it out for you. You just realize it. You realize the truth of the matter, and that and that feeling of realization was crazy. Yeah, I, it was just like I just sat there in the credits in my chair, like I'm a terrible person, <laughs> right? Um, the gameplay really nothing was really stellar. I feel like about the gameplay though in this game, like it was very like typical cover shooter. I would say that the way you typically when when you say something like that, it kind of is kind of comes off as a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It was still a good cover shooter, right? Right. Like, like in it for its time, it was still like a good cover shooter, but it didn't do anything. I feel like combat wise to change the mold or do anything crazy. Like maybe a few other titles were doing or trying they, to do. They tried to do something, but didn't affect as, the world as much as they did or as much as they, I guess they thought it would like, you know, if you um, maybe if you could see that sand was up against the glass and you shot the glass, the sand will come in and change the landscape. Or you yeah, make, you you could like make dust clouds of clear up here because like if you threw a grenade and it exploded, like the entire area would get dusty. Not only could you not see your enemies, but they couldn't see you, and it would allow you cover. Right. You know? I remember them being very proud of their like dust system they had going or something. Well, like they that. they probably. They probably put a ton of work into it because when you, if you actually utilized it, it, it worked, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it was, it was something that could be useful, but I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I think I, I really only noticed a lot of those things on my second playthrough. And when I played through it a second time, I noticed more areas for me to shoot and maybe change the world and stuff like that. But I think like when you be actually, cause one of the things that the, the, the game, and I guess you could put it on an easier difficulty, but even on the normal difficulty of the game, the enemies are pressing you. The enemies are aggressive. You know, they are coming to get you. Uh, so you're usually so focused on making sure that you don't get flanked or making sure that you, 
you know, you don't die. You're so focused on killing the enemies. I don't know if you necessarily will notice because they don't like, it's not like a game that will come out today where they find a way to mark whatever you're supposed to shoot in yellow or something like that. <laughs> you know, uh, you really wouldn't find that. So I don't necessarily think people who play through it the first time really got a chance to appreciate all that work that they did, you know, but like in terms of being a third person shooter, it was still a, you know, still a good game. And yeah, for a game that was in the desert the whole time, they actually found a decent way to get you from environment to environment. Well, it's also like it was, Oh, what's the city called? Dubai. Dubai. It was Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Which is also like a very beautiful freaking city that has lots of like different, you oh, know, absolutely. It has but different like, kind of building structures and things like that you can play around with. Exactly. Yes. And they, they utilize that, right? They could have just oh, kept you, they could have just kept you in like the, the, the broken down. Oh shit. We got, we got our asses whipped by a sandstorm to buy. Right. Because that's right. what you kind of come into, but they found a way to change up the environment, whether it was, uh, you know, obviously the desert or maybe going through office buildings or maybe going through like the aquarium or museums or stuff like that, you know, so they did a good job. I mean, overall, that game was good, but if it didn't have the story that it had, it'd be forgettable. It'd be forgettable. Absolutely. It would have just been another spec ops game, but it they did an amazing job with it. I was going to say I had the story spoiled for me, so I never had a chance to play it. So I kind of. I feel like to me that defeats the purpose, so I don't want to go back and play it. Um, I can, yeah, we just. I feel yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. People who ruin Spec Ops story burn in hell, by the way. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hellfire, I tell you. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> no. No, it, 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 that's, that sucks. Like I said, I would never spoil the story of this game for anybody. It's It's totally worth a playthrough. To be honest with you. Yeah, I will so. say as someone who doesn't play shooters, it it sucks because it's like, oh, I really want to experience the story, but now I know what I know and it's not going to be the same experience. So to me, I feel like it's kind of pointless, but I would recommend playing it. Yeah, I, I think right after I finished this game the first time, I finished the game and I ran through the different endings because there's there are four different endings you can get. And and some are for, like and they all you can all affect you can affect the end of the game all at the like with the last decisions You're like your last two there's two decisions that you have to make at the end of the game and it changes the flow and um I ran through all the four endings and I think I immediately wrote like an article about the experience of the game which I would not recommend reading unless you have played the game because <laughs> it is spoiler heavy so but yeah Spec Ops number six on this list and let's move into the top half with number five best games of 2012 number five XCOM enemy unknown XCOM enemy unknown brought back an old series and revived a dying genre enticing newcomers while satisfying fans of the original series it is a multifaceted game that blends RPG elements, management, and tactics as it pits you against a skillful AI that made encounters tense and thrilling. The permadeath system for characters ratcheted up that tension as it gave risky maneuvers with your best characters the highest of stakes. Lots of people named characters after their friends and then ended up with a lot of dead friends. Lessons learned. All right, coming at number five, XCOM Enemy Unknown. I played a lot of XCOM. Um, XCOM 
came out of nowhere though for me. Like I was like, what the hell is this shit? Like, and then I watched people play it and I was like, oh, this is totally my shit. Like a turn-based, like very number crunchy, uh, tactical role. Play. I don't want to call it a role playing because, but you do have like well, characters a- that fit different archetypes that you level up and stuff like that. Uh, it was very cool. The storyline is super interesting with the whole, um, the whole like alien secret. You're like the secret, uh, government world government police of aliens well not police but like trying to like ex- like kill all these aliens secretly without you know destroy alerting the public um to their you know appearance to them freaking out and all that kind of stuff but it was it was just a very good game that at the time and it came out for consoles too at some point and the console ports actually held up really well for a turn-based rpg like this uh and like it took off on twitch and streaming like people use this like all the time and there's tons of rage clips of people missing like 99 percent shots to the heads and it's just hilarious because they'll just be standing like they're point blank and they just shoot and it's like a miss and you're just like the fuck, son? <laughs> and then they die and it's like well there's permadeath in this game if you turn it on so get fucked so you just lost that character. I don't know. It's it's a very aggravating game to play sometimes, especially if you haven't played through it before because you don't know like what will happen on certain missions and that can totally like screw over your characters and all that kind of stuff. But this is I want to say like this is the game where like save scumming became like a global term that everybody knew about <laughs> because like everyone like you you can sk- save scum the shit out of this game, but like I don't know. There's just something about this game that just was really fun to play. It took off with a lot of people and it. And it revived the XCOM franchise. And I want to say it almost like revived people's interest in turn based games again. Yeah, I I think that's the bigger impact. That's one of the reasons why we kind of, you know, put it at number five here uh, was because, you know, even though. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I know Christina wasn't a huge fan of it. We still could recognize how impactful this game was. Because, uh, I mean, even, like, didn't, what, what year? Did, didn't they release a Mario Rabbids turn-based? Oh, like, yeah. Like there like, there yeah. is a, yeah, uh, Mario and Rabbids. Kingdom uh, battle. battle. Kingdom Battle, yeah. yeah. And it's pretty no. much XCOM for kids. Right. <laughs> now i know paradox i'm pretty sure paradox interactive was still making some turn-based games so if anybody from paradox is listening they're probably their eyeballs are probably rolling out of their head right now right. well i mean let's let's be let's be honest uh i think xcom did put the put uh, you know these turn-based games back on to the the you know onto the mainstream like i mean when xcom 2 was coming out people were there was a lot of excitement around it you know so People, and I mean we'll talk about XCOM too when we if we get around to it but like I mean I I think this game did a lot and the expansion even after added even more content to the game where they even made it even better and like the multiplayer where you actually fought other people was really solid there was some broken there was some meta breaking dumb shit but like what what game doesn't have like meta breaking dumb shit half the time so right. mm. Yeah, so Max, no, XCOM is definitely up there. I think it's, it deserved the spot. So, but uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next game at number four. 
Best Games of 2012, number four, Max Payne 3. Max Payne 3 picks up Max Payne's story nine years after the events of Max Payne 2. No longer penned by Remedy, Max Payne 3's story moves away from the snowy streets of New York to the sweltering heat of Brazil and still delivers a gritty tale of a desperate man just trying to do the right thing. Bullet Time returns while the addition of a weight management system makes Max's movement and gun handling feel realistic. Max Payne 3 was a solid addition to the series and does an incredible job wrapping up Max's story. All right, coming at number four, Max Payne 3. I fucking love this game. <laughs> Here we go. I'm just going to put the mic away and just let John just spill yeah, I, for about 30 minutes about Max Payne 3. You know, like there was when Max Payne 3 was coming out, there were a lot of doubters. You know, a lot of people, people actually, I mean, people still argue that it wasn't a great game, Max Payne game, but I'm like, dude, you really got it. No, there's no way you can't tell me this isn't a great Max Payne game. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like, I had my doubts too that Rockstar wasn't going to be able to pull it off without Remedy because Remedy knocked it out of the park with the original Max Payne. Uh, Max Payne 2, I enjoyed it, right? Some people didn't enjoy Bull Time 2.0. I liked it, you know, but hey, that's me. But still, um, I wasn't sure if Rockstar was going to be able to copy that formula, um, especially when I, you know, I found out that they were going to be putting stuff like cover, like, you know, cover, but, you know, you can, it, it was a technically speaking, a cover shooter, right? Because you can get cover in the game. But when I played it for the first time, I think I played it for the first time at PAX 2013. And uh, I actually had a hard time playing it on console. I, like, I got to one part, I got to a part of the game. Where I'm supposed to like, in, uh, and this is like the pre- this is like during the press only time. I'm I'm trying to get through this one part where I'm in bullet time. I'm trying to get through all the you know kill all these guys as I'm dropping down off of this ledge, and the guy's like, "You PC player?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, hold on for a second. And then he comes back like two minutes later. He's like, "Yeah, come back here." And they had set up a PC for me to play the game on, you know. Uh, Aren't you fancy? They oh got yeah, you, you got they got you your little PC. <laughs> oh yeah. And I absolutely that one part that I was having trouble with, I killed every single person on the way down. <laughs> it was amazing. So like, yeah, like Max Payne three, they did a good job, you know, picking up where Remedy left off. Not only bringing the game back, but moving it into the future. Because yes, they did add a cover element to the game. But honestly, I really feel that like that cover element hurts you more than it helps you. You know, because the enemies are aggressive. The enemies are always coming towards you. If you are in cover and you try to stay in cover and shoot, they'll throw grenades. Even if even like the same enemy will throw like, you know, multiple grenades at you. Like they, they really don't care. You know, like they will they'll put grenades where you are to try to get you to move and flush you out and stuff like that. They'll flank and all that stuff. It's really, really cool. I like so like you're still better off playing that game like a regular Max Payne game, which that Max Payne is built to be played. Like in the John Woo movie, right? No cover. Just, you know, sun's out, guns out. Shooting faces. Don't pick, don't reload your gun. Just pick up somebody else's guns that died. <laughs> you know, that's how that game is supposed to go. And it's supposed to be like really, really fast paced. And you actually, especially I own the harder difficulties. Like playing it on normal, you can get away with the cover stuff. But if you try to cover stuff in the harder difficulties, you'll, you'll, your health is just going to get like destroyed. So if you just come out, like your 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 best option is to just kill your opponents, and it's really cool. 
So, yeah, I mean, they managed to update the game with modern features while keeping the core gameplay intact. The story was great. I enjoyed the story. The dialogue was great, you know. And, you know, it was still like, you know, Max was the majority of the dialogue, you know, being in his head, hearing what he's thinking, you know. And actually, the way the game was written or ended, I don't want them to continue that story. I want them to leave Max alone. I want him to be where he is at the end of the game forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all. That's all. He he ends that game in a very good place as compared to if you beat Max Payne 1 or if you beat Max Payne 2. Even if you get the good ending of Max Payne 2, it's not a, gr- it's not a, a good position for him to be in. Max Payne 3, he ends up in a good position. I, and I just rat- I, If they're going to do another Max Payne game, actually don't even do a Max Payne game. Do a Mona Sachs game. Mona Sachs game, same bullet time. You know, same like same same uh, principles. You, you can do it. Trust me. So, and they did a great job. Like you, could, you like <laughs> going from like a cutscene into the action. Like sometimes I'd be like chilling watching a cutscene, only for them to open a door and immediately somebody is there for me to shoot at. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, there's like actually one part where you're you're trying to clear like an office building, and you're telling this dude. Okay, we'll do this. Hide behind here. I'll be back. And you literally just open the door and boom, the next action scene has already started. You know, so they do a good job for moving you from, you know, action scenes to cut scenes and then back to action scenes. Um, The game is violent and it does not make light of that violence. You know what I'm saying? Like what some games, in my opinion, make light of the violence that they that, that they present. Because, you know, you'll shoot somebody, it's like a little blood splatter, and, like, they just fall to the ground, that's the end of it. Like, no. Like, if you want, if you play Max Payne, and you go look at a body that you shot up, like, you could just see the massive amount of damage that you did to it, right? You'll see entrance and exit wounds. If you shoot them in the face, like, you, you'll you make somebody like Michael Jackson if you shoot them in the nose. Like, it's like it's crazy, man. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. Especially if you, uh, if, especially if you shoot them in, like, and they're the last person the shots in slow mo. So like, I don't know how they did it, but the way they put together the player, like the, the enemy skulls, like you could literally see like pieces of like the skull flying off, you know, and it just makes they it look more. Nether realm for like skull tech, like what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like oh, another thing, like it's crazy because so um, I have this clip where I was in the uh, this one is the airport level. And uh, I run up to this guy and I melee him and I go to pull the trigger, right? And he's the last guy in the area. So it does it in slow motion. So here I am right in this guy's face. It's in slow motion. And you see his face go from angry to sad when he sees that I'm getting ready to kill him. And I pull the trigger, blow him away. I'm like, he probably had a family shit. <laughs> like, and that was like, man, this game gets you. Like, you know, I get. It does. Like it's it's actually I think that is very important in games that have extreme violence like that. You know, to kind of show like, you know, this isn't just like, you know, some red paint and stuff like that. Like this is like some pretty serious shit. So yeah. I think that was I think that was a good thing about the game. And another thing they did this game that was actually really cool was the movement system. Like they actually gave Max weight and the weight of his weapons mattered, right? So like if you're moving from left to right, you're uh you can't just like like if you're moving left and then automatically just start 
decide to start moving, right? You can't just immediately start moving, right? You actually have to put your foot down and pivot off and then start moving in the other direction. And makes you I can't like, just like run one way and then rag dog bullet time jump in the opposite direction. It, no, exactly. Like, if you, <laughs> yeah, like you literally have to move the person. And so if Max is carrying weapons, like let's say um, he's dual wielding and he has a, a handgun in one hand and then he has like, you know, this is unrealistic. Like, you know, let's say an M4A1 in the other and he's dual wielding or something like that. Right. What he'll have to do to reload is, uh, you know, he'll like, you know, the, the handgun, he'll might tuck away and like reload the M4. But for the, for the handgun, you know, like take the M4 and like tuck it under his arm and then reload the handgun and pull the M4 back out and then, you know, get ready to roll like that. So, and they did it in a way where it doesn't seem overly intrusive, but it still takes time for you to do that stuff. So it's actually pretty cool. I really enjoyed Max Payne 3. And it had an amazing soundtrack. Like it, it just had a great soundtrack. Like going through the airport with that song from Health playing. I can't remember the name of the song. I actually have it on my iPod, but I just can't remember the name of the song. Um, it is really dope. So Max Payne Three is good. I'm gonna go ahead and keep on going. I've been the only person talking for like five minutes about this game. I think. Yeah, I mean Max Max Payne is on my gaming sins like table of contents. Oh yeah, like, series I haven't played. I actually played three, but I didn't play one and two. Which is really weird. Uh, uh you know what? Weird. You can actually play three without playing one and two. They made it really easy to jump into. I felt bad the whole time. Yeah. I was like, just leave him alone, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just let him do his thing. Um, I mean, if you see what he did in one and two, it might make sense why they don't <laughs> leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can, like, yeah, Max Payne, like, you can play three without one and two. Uh, but I think it's. It's actually just like the new God of War, right? You can play the new God of War without playing the original series, but it's way more impactful if you know if you actually not just know what happened, but if you played through what happened in the previous series you know, or in the previous games, you know? I think I played it because that's around when I met you and you're like super into it. So I was like, ah, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a time where he was talking about nothing but that game. <laughs> <laughs> there were, like, I, it was the bash cast going around this time because I really feel yeah. like yeah. I really feel like every week, like it was going. You were bringing up Max Payne three in some form or fashion. <laughs> yeah, man, I just really enjoyed that game, and it's one of those games that, in my opinion, it just gets way more enjoyable the harder it is. Right, like the the more difficulty it was. Uh, the, the 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 better the game was because it just forced you to play better, right? Like you know, you don't want to die, don't miss shots. That's that, that simple. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. kill them before they kill you. Done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I really enjoyed the game, and it's just uh, I like I said I, w- I would love more Max Payne style games, but I don't want the story continued. Leave Max alone. He, he's he's been through enough. <laughs> we have to ruin his life. <laughs> no, his life was already ruined. That's the thing. We have to go back to that. His his life was ruined. Rockstar games cannot end happy. We can't have happy endings in Rockstar games. Did you play the end of GTA Five? Okay, was a happy well that, that's fine. But I'm thinking like <laughs> L.A. Noir, like oh. Red Dead uh-huh. Redemption, like none of that shit's happy. Like, right. <laughs> no, nah, I feel you. I feel you. Okay, let's move on to our number three pick. 
Best Games of 2012, number 3, Dishonored. Dishonored combines stealth, dark magic, and first-person melee combat to deliver a truly unique experience. Playing as the Dishonored bodyguard Corvo, players navigate the Victorian steampunk world of Dunwall to clear his name. Dishonored is one of the few games where you can successfully play as a pacifist, as there are ways to complete the game without killing a single person by virtue of your tools, power, and wit. The power of life or death is entirely in your hands. All right, coming at number three, Dishonored, which was a great game, <laughs> obviously at number three. I don't know, like Dishonored, it was like a, it was, you know, I think that when everybody first saw Dishonored, the first thing they thought was Thief, you know, that everybody, I, which makes sense. It makes sense. It's like Thief with Bioshock powers. It's very, it, it doesn't, on paper, like, it's like, oh, this sounds really cool. But when it came, it was like, are they going to be able to pull this off? Like, is this a thing right. that they're going to be able to do? Like, it's just like, and they, I mean, they did. They combined both, both really well. Uh, mostly because the whole, you know, you could kill everybody in the game or you could actually just not. And that really drove say. people. Yeah, that was the one thing I wasn't really sure about. Like, can you get through the game without killing a single person? And the answer is yes. You can literally go through the game without killing a single person. I have did it in both Dishonored 1 and 2, which is pretty amazing. I mean, it does, it can't. So actually in Dishonored 1, the, it made the game a little easier at the end, uh, which I don't want to spoil for anybody. But if you go through the entire game pacifist without killing a single person, the end is super easy. Not with Dishonored 2, though. Dishonored 2, getting through that ending without killing a soul is tough. <laughs> you know, they made like, it really tough. Do the robots count in Dishonored 2? The robots don't killing? count. No, they okay. don't. I was wondering because I was like, I don't know how you get through some parts of the game in Dishonored 2 without killing a robot. Yeah, like, yeah, the, the robots don't count, so don't worry about that. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, Dishonored, yeah, I, it was a game that I it didn't pick up immediately. I was never a huge fan of Thief, you know, but I actually, I eventually got it. And I, so, you know, Victorian London is not necessarily a setting that I really care too much to deal with you know or, or play around in or at least that's what i thought right but when i actually played dishonor i'm like actually this looks pretty cool you know like the the colors weren't drab the way they they, they the, the world wasn't like super colorful and, and popping and stuff like that but they definitely used a color contrast that made you at least want to move through the world you know what i'm saying and 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 you know that was just the starting point you know going from place to place was enjoyable Especially with the, I guess the level design was the really important piece there, right? Uh, because it is a stealth game, technically speaking. So even getting around the city in the day, you have to be able to get around unseen, which means a lot of rooftop movements. And, you know, with your abilities, they actually made that pretty simple, you know? Actually, there is one there. Like, there was a, I think about it, toward the beginning of this, Honored, you get into a fight with two assassins. And you have to manage to knock them out as opposed to killing them. I forgot about that. I was just thinking about that in the early areas of it. So that was actually kind of difficult. But um, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many, this game was really uh, catered to player choice, right? 
Like there are so many, like there were multiple ways to do everything. It had to be for it to be a true passive experience, right? You know, you'd get your mission to go, let's say, take X person out or deal with X person, but you would maybe have to look around or explore to figure out a way to not kill them if you wanted to be pacifist. Right. And honestly, if the level design was trash, you wouldn't be able to get away with that at all. Like, that's why, like, I really feel like the world of Dishonored doesn't get enough praise that it deserves. Absolutely. Like, the world, I mean, the way that they put the world together, it doesn't necessarily look like a stealth playground. But if you just look around, right, you can find where you need to go. Right. And also, they give you the ability to teleport. So not only are you, like having to make a level to where I have to stealth around, but you have to make it to where you can find me enough to not where I'm just like teleporting wherever the fuck, you know, I just need to be and done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, like it, it's, it's, it's a very fine balance to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I there's just so much hard work put into that, you know? So like, yeah. yeah, I think the, 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 if you want the easy route is the, the violent route, but I mean, even the game pushes you toward pacifism because um, if you take the violent route and you kill everything, that makes the end of the game way harder, significantly harder because there's all these, like, infected people. Because, like, when you kill people, it makes rats. Like, you know, there are more rats. uh, And when there's more rats, there's more people are going to get infected by the rats with this, with this virus. And you end up having a a town full of them. And especially when you have to walk through the areas where they are like where those infected people definitely are, like it makes it extremely uh, difficult, you know? So, and plus the canon ending is, is the, the passive ending is the canon ending. Like if you got the, the non-passivist ending, um, then yeah, that's not, when you get dishonored too. That's not canon, and like I said, I don't want to spoil it, so I won't tell you why. But <laughs> if you get it, it's pretty obvious why. Yeah, but dishonored, I think it was it was great. Um, I don't, I know that's it's just a game that I don't think got the praise I deserve. Like Mike said, uh, same thing with dishonored too. I thought dishonored two was awesome. Uh, funny enough, prey they made the same guys made prey, and prey got a bunch of praise. You know, and I'm like, but Dishonored was better, though. <laughs> but, hey, we'll deal with that in 2017, I think. There's, you're comparing <laughs> tomato tomato when it's Prey versus Dishonored, but whatever. Hey, yeah. I'm talking about fun factor, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> How much God. fun I actually had in the game. That's so, fair. You know, so, hey, it is what it is. So, you know, but the, you know, my also it is also it is a personal problem that I have a Prey because I'm like, why couldn't you just, you know, keep the series the same as it was like the original prey was fine. The original prey was fine. It was, it wasn't, I'm not, we're not, I'm not going to No, We can do this when the, no, not doing this right now. We can (laughs) Prey makes the list. We can do this. Uh huh. Yeah, it won't. So we don't have to worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Reese's peanut butter cups and breaking news. Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, let's go ahead and move into our number two pick. 
best games of 2012, number two, Mass Effect 3. Wrapping up Shepard's trilogy, Mass Effect closed a story that players had been building over the past five years. While there was controversy about the multiplayer and endings, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't enjoy playing through this final chapter, encountering old friends and discovering the final consequences of many of your actions and decisions. Mass Effect isn't just a great game, it's a great piece of science fiction. Alright, coming at number two, Mass Effect 3. A bit of a contested game at the time, right? You know, I mean, honestly, it made number two this list because it is just more Mass Effect 2, and that ain't a bad thing. They didn't make that many changes, in my opinion. I mean, they did add the multiplayer. I'm actually trying to forget about that, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, And actually, another thing, the game, (laughs) I don't know, the game was way better if you waited to play it, to be honest with you, uh, because you know the i think a couple months after the game came out the multiplayer did not count toward your battle readiness anymore or you can you can get ba- enough battle readiness to get the real ending of the game without going into multiplayer right um and other than that i mean it just it was just more mass effect 2 and that was fucking awesome <laughs> mass effect 2 was amazing it made number 1 for our 2010 list i believe you know and Mass Effect 3, you know, you just got, especially if you had the Promethean DLC, uh, you got way more information on the world itself. It closed pretty much every story plot, you know, whether it was like, you know, the, uh, you know, Morden and what he did to uh, Rex and his people or, you know, uh, yeah, like, it, I mean, I can't remember obviously all the different plot lines, but I can't remember one that wasn't really resolved to be honest with you. I mean, obviously there was people were disappointed with the endings and being here in 2019, this, you know, this game come out in 2012, you know, having, uh, you know, seven years to really reflect on, you know, that ending. Yeah. They were 100% correct that the endings were not good. The endings from Mass Effect three were not good. You know, it was a cop out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, games media. We were saying gamers were just being picky. Those fucking endings were terrible for that game. If you were going to make three different endings, at least make them different. You know? <laughs> like, at least make the endings different. But, hey, that argument is done. But at the end of the day, it was still a good game. I think everybody here really enjoyed Mass Effect 3. It was good. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, the combat really... I really liked what they did with the combo system more in this game. And I liked where they evolved it. Like they made it a lot more, I don't know, active. It just felt better. I don't know what if it was just because of the style of powers you got or whatever, but it just felt really good. I mean, I know you uh, can combos. You can customize your weapons a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I always played the soldier. I didn't really deal with Oh, yeah. I did a mix of tech. I did the sentinel, the mix of like tech and biotics. Ah, uh, right, yeah. And so I got that armor, which was fucking dope. I really liked that armor set thing that you'd get. But I also liked being able to like throw the ball and be able to activate my uh, allies like bio powers or whatever like that. Right, yeah. What it's called. Um yeah, no, it was it was fun. The ending was 
disappointing, but hey, I got to get with Caden, so it was all right. Yeah, I didn't play this game. (laughs) 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 I I wanted to, but it's... So this is when I was starting to get into my gaming prime, and I was like, oh, this looks like a really cool game that I'd be into. Oh, but I should really play one and two. That's a lot of time. I'll do that another time. And then that's where it ended. Yeah, I, I would, you definitely want to build your own story. You can start the game and make some decisions, I think, to a degree, but it really is. You should, like, if you play Mass Effect, you really should start from the beginning. And or at least do the Mass Effect 1 comic decision making thing and then go into Mass Effect 2. Because trying to play Mass Effect 1 again is a little rough. That is, <laughs> it is rough. Trust me. I have a Mass Effect one. Uh, uh, was not Par. It was not Paragon. What's the other uh, Renegade? Renegade, Renegade playthrough going on right now, and it is an ongoing project. <laughs> <laughs> that I one get is a little rough to go back and play. Like, it is. I would. The, yeah. The, the difference between one and two, like one and two, is just so drastic. Night it's like the day. difference between Assassin's Creed 1 and Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah, it really is night and day, so it is, it is tough, but I would recommend it. All right, well, it is about that time. Let's go ahead and get into our number one game of 2012. Best games of 2012, number one, Borderlands 2. Borderlands 2 exceeded all expectations at launch and still holds up today as a solid co-op loot and shoot with RPG elements. The gameplay expands on what the original Borderlands set while adding a compelling story and refining the crisp cel-shaded style that we've grown to love. Borderlands quickly became Gearbox's number one original series and is what Gearbox is mostly known for today. Coming in on top for 2012, Borderlands 2. Which, I mean, this is another game that I, I was like, eh, well, Borderlands is all right. I'll pick up Borderlands, too. I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> and I didn't expect it to be that good. And it was, I, this is, I've had, I had just so much fun playing this with, with my friends. Like, you know, first of all, of all, the world didn't feel completely dead like in the original Borderlands, you know. Second of right. all, there were, there were just way more characters to deal with, way more personalities. The writing was great for this game. The game was funny. Uh, the writing was good. I, I I just really, really enjoyed this game. And this is another one. This is number two where they improved on every aspect of the original. You know, they even, you know, coming into the game, you load up Borderlands, you're expecting to see desert, and that's not what you got. You know, you got like an ice world, you know. In the original, like when when you first uh, start off, and that even you don't even go straight to the desert from there. At that point, you go kind of like a mountainous area. Then you have another area. Like it takes you a while to get to like an actual desert area. You know, a, at least a few hours into the game before you're in your real first desert area. So they wanted to change the scenery of the game and and show that you know Pandora had more to offer. So that was dope. Yeah, I think they listened to a lot of fan critiques from the first game. Uh, powers were on a way lower cooldown i felt like like powers were up a lot more it wasn't like using your powers was like oh do i really use it here literally they didn't want you to feel that way so powers felt more active powers felt more different like the skill trees were really solid for each of the characters 
the the co-op was just so good in this game. Like, I mean, that's where this game shines is just getting in with your friends, running through the story and just collecting loot and shooting the fuck out of everything that you see. Right. Like the biggest, like, you know, I guess the biggest contention point in this game is that, yeah, it was a great game to play with friends. So that's what I wanted to do. But at the time, but at the same time, I wanted to pay attention to the story. So I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up so I can hear what they're talking about. You know, I actually wanted to listen and hear the echoes. You know, I actually cared about what they said because it was funny. It was nice to get that information. And Handsome Jack was an excellent bad guy. Absolutely excellent bad guy. Can't say the same thing for the new bad guys. They're no Handsome Jack. Handsome Jack was a dope bad guy. <laughs> handsome Handsome Jack was a good bad guy because he literally thought he was the good guy. Like yeah, that's oh, what yeah. that's what sells Handsome Jack as being the biggest piece of shit on the planet. <laughs> Other than the fact of what, you know, man, if you haven't played Borderlands 2 by now, I don't know what to tell you. Um I played Borderlands 2. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to spoil some of it because like just some of the revelations that they flip on you that happened in Borderlands 1 and how they're like and how that and how they flipped that on you in Borderlands 2 was like, oh, the fuck? Right, <laughs> like, yeah. They actually like did a good job. Like, And I, I was very impressed with their story writing. The guns, the special guns and some of the special actions they did, super stellar. Uh, I like the fact that they made each company feel a lot different this time around, too. Absolutely, yeah. Like TDOR being so cheap that you just throw them and explode and they just digitize <laughs> you a new one. Like that's just always fun. I don't care who you are. Throwing a gun and watching it explode at a uh at a skag's face or something is always great. You know how many second wins I got based on all like you saw for that <laughs> shit? Like it's like oh I'm about to die. Here we go. Just reload the gun and throw it and bam, I'm back on my feet. Yeah, okay. It's so good. Uh I like that they kept the second win system too. That game the second win system is just a really nice thing to have in that kind of style game that I'm surprised not a lot of other people have tried to do. You know what I mean? Like, right, I feel yeah. like not many games use that mechanic. Um, nah. But I don't know. It just it felt like a good shooter. It is a good shooter. Uh, there's a reason why it's been remade a fucking I don't know how many goddamn times now. Um, or re-released, we should say. Re-released, sorry, not remade. Like, re-released because yeah. of Handsome Jack collection and VR and all that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. No, I... But, if they're, like, you know, Gearbox gets a ton of shit for the games they make except this one. <laughs> like, and that's because it feels like they pour all of their resources into Borderlands and just kind of toss out other games in the meantime. Because think about what happened, what, what came out between Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3. Aliens, Colonial Marines, uh, fucking... Um, Oh God, uh, Duke Nukem, you know this is why people hate Randy Pitchford. <laughs> you know, like I don't. And then they, re and then they brought out, and then they published bullets, the re-release Bullet Storm, and then they put Duke Nukem in it. It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. They did yeah. some weird shit, but I mean, everyone loves Borderlands Three now. But hey, yeah, yeah I, really... I just kind of wish they fixed the bugs, but we're not gonna get into it. <laughs> yeah, ahead. that's another, another time. No, I I love Borderlands 2. It's a game I played. It's a game I beat. You should beat it and play it. But no, seriously, it's a game that holds up really well today. I played that with my brother and friends like all the time. It's funny. 
it's really accessible. If you don't know what you're doing in a shooter, they have classes for that. You're leveling up. So like if you maybe feel like you can't beat a boss, you can just go back and level up or find a better gun. It's just it's so much fun. You you have no idea how much I would love for them to just take the story, the levels and all that of Borderlands 2, take all the classes from Borderlands 3 and the pre-sequel and take all the quality of life upgrades that Borderlands 3 has and just dump them back into 2. Yeah. <laughs> just dump all that back into 2 and we're okay. Like, yeah. Borderlands 2 does hold up until you play Borderlands 3, like the shooting mechanic. Like the, the quality of life changes in Borderlands 3 are phenomenal. However, uh, I have no desire to replay Borderlands 3, though, after I finished it. Right, yeah, like the the story isn't as good, and I gotta be honest, for Borderlands Three, is only one class that I really enjoy. Um, that's the that's the robot. Mike is looking at me like which flack? Class? Yeah, flack, flack is yeah. good. Flack um, is good. the siren's not bad, and I think Moe's is pretty interesting. I just think what's his name? What's his face is kind of. That's how Weak. important. That's how important he is. What's his face? That's his name. Yeah, like right. I don't know. He makes clones of himself. He's like drunk all the time. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, Borderlands Two is number one. I mean, if you haven't played it by now, like that's kind of surprising. Consider how all it was free on Xbox. It was free on PS4. You know, it's five dollars on Steam. <laughs> you know, like it was, and it's been like that for quite some time. It so, was even on Vita. Yeah, oh, don't, like, don't. You know, it was everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. Don't play it on Vita. But that was just like one of those things. It was like, it's on everything. <laughs> like, yeah. So. But this is an amazing game they put out. Because like, usually with co-op games, they just rely heavily on you playing with your friends. And Gearbox didn't do that. Gearbox made an amazing game for you to play with your friends, but also made a great game if you're going to play it by yourself as well. And honestly, oh, yeah. like the complete edition isn't even that much i think i just got it for like i don't know 40 dollars, which is just, oh it's probably cheaper than that i got that a few months ago but like all the dlc is really good too and it adds so much to the game like if if you yeah. get the game get the complete edition well that's why with borderlands 3 i just bought i bought the 100 dollar edition because i knew the dlc was going to be good so i was just like you know fuck it i'll just i'll get it that's the only thing that's going to pull me back into borderlands 3 <laughs> is when those dlc chapters like come out and then i'm gonna have to yeah. play those again play those i don't feel like replaying borderlands 3 again though but anyways borderlands 2 like yeah those freaking dlcs were freaking dope like tiny tina's oh, oh my, my god. god so good and Torg's explosion, I don't remember what it's called, but the Torg explosion the arena stuff. Dome thing. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, like the boss at that where it's like a giant like, <laughs> car dinosaur thing. Like that was fucking dope. Yeah, they, had, they, they did an excellent job with it. So it is it, it is deserved that number one spot. But uh, with that, yeah, we're going to go ahead and I guess start wrapping up. You guys got any closing thoughts for 2012? was a really good year. Borderlands was dope. <laughs> that was most of my year. <laughs> that was most of the year was Borderlands. Just experimenting and then Borderlands. Uh, I mean, for me, they just had a cut, like a couple of just amazing games that I can never forget, like Forza, Mark of the Ninja, Spec Ops. I mean, Spec Ops changed the way I thought about games, period. You know, like, and like I said, I'm not going to get too deep into it because it will end up spoiling the story, which I refuse to do. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> but like Spec Ops is amazing. Max Payne Three is phenomenal. Dishonored was one was really good too, you know. So yeah, I these the 2012 was a great year for games for me. Uh, so I and yeah, I I guess that that's really all I have to say. You know, more than these two games are good. <laughs> Don't worry, there's gonna be one year where it's like Josh is gonna be completely silent because it's gonna is be that, like a crust- it's either next year or 2014. I can't remember which I one. Think I was, I was pretty hard hitting for me, but we'll see. Yeah, there's gonna be like a like there's gonna be a Pop Tart and Keylock basically show pretty much one year. I think one year you just had like I only have one dog in this, and, that is <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, here you so. go. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah that, that this this year was definitely a good year for me. So we'll see what the future brings. But yeah, we're gonna go ahead and close up. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, you know, we're always looking for feedback. So if you have any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to us on discord at discord.me slash match those buttons. You can email us at econtact at match those or you can also reach us on Twitter at the mash network. And uh, you guys want to give out your personal social media? Sure. You can find me at s'mores pop tart. Um, s'mores is S M O R E Z and pop tarts just pop tart. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. And you can find me at MVP on Twitter. You can find me at MVP on Twitch. Oh, and you can find me at MVP on Instagram. Look, I actually finally made it easy for once. It's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, and my personal Twitter account is Jostradamus, like Nostradamus, but Jostradamus with two A's. So there you go. Uh, and I mean, if I, when I do stream, I do stream on twitch.tv slash matches buttons, but I just haven't been doing that a lot recently. So we'll see what the future brings with that. Uh, but I'd like to give a big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Uh, you know, they help enable us to make content like this. And if you enjoy our content, you might want to consider supporting us. You can do so for as little as $1 a month and receive Patreon bonuses. Uh, you can receive Patreon bonuses for this tier, fan tier uh, patrons for uh, for this show. Well, actually, well, fan tier patrons will get uh, bonus honorable mention episodes for this show. And if you're a supporter tier patron, you'll receive uh, the honorable mention plus the draft episodes, which those might be some of my favorite episodes. Like if you want to hear Mikey, me and my, the stuff that me and Mikey put the brakes on on this show, we probably went back and forth on on that show. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is like more professional if you think this was being unprofessional you should you should go pay for the patreon stuff because that stuff gets wild yeah so uh but like i said you know if you are supporting us thank you guys very much and we'll see you for the 2013 episode later see ya peace out Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 